What number is this, Chip? Episode 78, Inside Ken Mills. Ooh. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, like, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, I know. Zilch. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Welcome back to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. You probably don't recognize my voice, because I've only been on the Zilch podcast a couple times. The first time was a little comedy bit that I sent to promote my own podcast, Deep Dish Radio. And the second time was when I interviewed John Hughes at the Good Times release party at Amoeba Records in Hollywood, California. I'm Tim Powers, and my show, like I said, is Deep Dish Radio. It's a podcast that's interviewed folks like Bobby Hart and P.F. Sloan. And Mickey's very talented daughter, Emily Dolans, and the Standells, and tons of other really interesting people. But we can talk about that another time. I've been a listener of the Zilch podcast since episode zero. And the entire time, I've been really impressed by the guy that I came to know as the ringmaster of Zilch, who pulled together all these disparate fans and all this disparate talent and put everything together into one really entertaining show that we all love so much. Well, over the course of the last couple of years, Ken and I have become pretty good friends. And as I got to know him a little bit, I started to realize that there was a side of Ken that he didn't really uh, expose as much on the show as one might hope. And so I thought, what an interesting show it would be to actually interview Ken Mills on his own show so that you, the Zilch listener, can get to know him a little bit better. Well, listen, here's what you're going to find. You are going to be charmed by Ken's very natural humility, his very self-effacing sense of humor. But in addition to that, you're going to meet a guy who's really insightful, really self-aware, and frankly, a lot funnier than he actually gives himself credit for. So this is part one of the interview with Ken Mills, and the second part we'll talk about later. Uh, that's enough out of me. On with the show. It's Tim Powers at Deep Dish Radio, and today uh, on his own show, my guest is uh, is the Podfather, the uh, the originator of the Zilch podcast that you're listening to right now, Mr. Ken Mills. And uh, you know, for a couple of years now, for about three years now, Zilch has been uh, been in your ears, and uh, Ken's done a masterful job, I think, being the anchorman for this show. But how much do we really know about him? So today we go inside. Ken Mills, so to speak. Ken, how you doing this morning, man? Oh, um, I'm doing well. I'm doing very good. I, I love that uh, O thing. I do that a lot. Um, people will be saying something like, well, I couldn't get it jammed up in there. And I'll go, oh, like a, you know, like a very uncomfortable sound. But uh, yeah, it's, it's one of my go-to gags. So there you go. I'm doing well. How are you, sir? I am. Uh, I am. I'm great for uh, for early this morning. Um, I have been listening to Zilch since literally episode zero. I, I don't know how I just lucked into it, but episode zero was the only one available, and I thought, all right, let's check this out. 
And I thought, oh my gosh, here are a bunch of, of me-level monkeys nerds. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I thought, all right, this is this is cool, and I've and I've stuck on, and I've I've contributed a little bit, but uh, but now the spotlight is on you, Ken. And and what I want to do is kind of establish your monkeys' street cred, and wow. I suppose starting at the beginning, let's talk about when they first appeared, when the monkeys first appeared on your radar. I was about four years old. Okay, and the show was in first run. And, you know, you didn't know rock and roll from anything else that was on, meaning that rock and roll was what they gave you. And you had three channels, if you were lucky. Right. And you had the radio. And the great thing about radio is you'd have living where I did, and it was on the Ohio-Pennsylvania border. We had access to radio on AM from Windsor, from New York, to wherever so we weren't just locked into the local cleveland station or the local youngstown station the local pittsburgh station you could get everything back then right and it was amazing because you would listen to uh, stations like uh, cklw out of windsor ontario and you would hear Jimi hendrix the monkeys and then maybe donnie marie you know even up and through up until like 70 something and it was it was absolutely amazing that you would hear Frank Sinatra and Jimi Hendrix in the same time block. Yep. And it was great. And so the the Beatles changed the whole game. And people are saying, "Well, you were four. How how do you know that?" I I basically almost never knew a time when there wasn't a Beatles. I was born in 1963. So yes, you know, those formative uh staring up at the ceiling, you know, moments uh those 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 happened before the beatles but once the beatles hit uh it it totally changed culture and how it changed culture for me is that i grew up in a family of women you know you you used to hear and see those stories in the 70s a boy who was raised by wolves and things like that well <laughs> i was raised by women okay and I was so raised to respect women and love and cherish them and Nine times out of ten, if there's a woman that's speaking in a room, I will listen to her over a man because they they see things totally different than most men do. And uh, I think part of that 60s thing that happened is it gave uh, young girls in particular a, a, a new voice. You know what I'm saying? It certainly empowered them for sure. Yeah. So whereas uh, maybe in earlier times, uh, uh, you know, a, a grandfather or, or, or a parent might say, well, that's enough of that noise. Turn that off. With the Beatles, it became such a roar that, you know, it really was the rise of the female fan in, in many ways. And if you look at history, the, 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 the girls get it before the guys do. Sinatra, Elvis, Beatles. Yeah, and the doors, as Jim Morrison said, the the men don't know what the little girls understand. And, you know, whether it's, uh, like you said, Sinatra or Elvis or Beatles, yeah. So, Or the crooners, or, you know, Rudy Valley, if you want to go all the way back to the start of popular culture. Absolutely. My grandmother loved him. So so to have the monkeys, you know, how, how all this ties in, to have the monkeys be on TV when it came time to have the... Uh, there's one TV, right? And there's <laughs> there's three channels. 
<laughs> there's three channels and there are uh, four uh, girls, you know, from the ages of 12 to 20 that are getting a vote. <laughs> right. And, and at four years old, you, you don't you don't fare well in that fight. No, no. I you pretty much whatever they put on. So I just know that in the same way that the Beatles were like this exciting thing, like I remember that every time the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan, we, I remember being a small child and playing with this, uh, there was this chair that it had, uh, this little spring on the bottom and I would crawl around and play with this spring on the bottom of the chair. And I remember my aunts just screaming over the Beatles, <laughs> you know, and my, my grandfather just sitting there like, oh, my God, what is happening to this world? <laughs> <laughs> and in that same respect, that same kind of energy came along when the monkeys appeared on TV. Because this was television aimed at younger kids. and But at the same time, it was still rock and roll. And I feel like there's this cynical thing that goes on in the world where – a band that's been on television or a band that's really well known is instantly not as cool. Like the Beatles managed to survive that. You know what I mean? Because they also went from, I want to hold your hand to helter skelter, you know, right. <laughs> that when you think about like a boy band that was able to go from those two songs in less than six years, that's amazing. Could you imagine if like in sync or the backstreet boys, started playing thrash like five years into their career? I don't think it would work because uh, marketing is different than it was, you know, 50 years ago. Oh, absolutely. But it's, it's that, it's that radical of a departure, you know? Right. And so it, it's just weird to think about that. And at the time the Beatles were becoming men in the sense that they started growing facial hair and, their music started getting really weird. You know, they went from uh, Eleanor Rigby and Yellow Submarines, and the, to a lot of kids, they just they just wanted love songs. They just wanted that thing. Right. So the Monkees was the perfect pill to give that that next generation, that next wave that maybe weren't really getting the Beatles anymore, or maybe the Beatles were their older brothers and sisters thing. So I was part of that. And I don't call myself a first-generation fan because when you're four, five, six, and seven, you really aren't in control. Like we were talking about who controls the switch on the TV, sure. right? But I know that it was something that always stuck with me. And I learned to read at a very early age. Like I was reading at like four and five. And I remember seeing like Chip Douglas's name on – uh, on the on record the, sleeves uh, and stuff? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, on the back of uh, headquarters. And I thought, because the monkeys were on TV, that Chip Douglas was the Chip Douglas from My Three Sons. Like, it was, <laughs> the guy was a record producer, you know, because if the monkeys could be TV stars and, you know, play at concerts, then maybe he was a TV star who also did record production. I had no idea. In my world, there were like probably 40 people. You know, when you're a kid, you don't realize how big the world is. Right, sure. So to me, in Hollywood, out in California, in this place I'd never been to, never seen, 
I imagine that there was one Chip Douglas and he was on My Three Sons and also helped the monkeys make their music. So that's <laughs> that's a little kid logic for On me. drums, Uncle Charlie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you kids nowadays with your rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's when they appeared on your radar. But obviously something about um, there's a point where just enjoying something becomes fandom. And, uh, you know, you, you've started this show, you've, you've, um, you know, you've gotten to the point where members of the group recognize you, um, walk me through that transition. When did it go from just enjoying a, a funny, cute TV show and some good records to, uh, to, a, a lifestyle choice? <laughs> yeah, because it really is. It, it, this, this podcasting thing can take over your life and, you know, you got to make sure it's in a good way. Right. Right. Uh, but I've always loved the monkey's music. And, I mean, just that riff in Last Train to Clarksville, like we were talking about CKLW from Windsor. Right. I remember having this little red transistor radio. That thing was a gateway drug to so much, like I said, everything from Hendrix to the Kinks, Harder and the Raiders. You know, speaking about bands that weren't taken seriously for having a young following, Paul Revere and the Raiders, how they are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is beyond me. It makes no sense. They are the garage band. They're like the most polished garage band of all time. You know what I'm saying? Yep. If, if you listen to their music, and they were such an influence on everyone that's ever picked up a guitar, whether they've even heard a Paul Revere and a record, Ra Paul Revere and the Raiders record ever, they don't understand that you know it all came from cats like that too. You know, just as much as it came from the Beatles. But but that riff in Last train to Clarksville. My God, that's amazing. Just uh, you could do an entire show just just on that alone. On the importance that of that riff, riff. yeah. Uh, and it's it's right up there with Day Tripper and Paperback Writer and things like that. It, it, it is right up there. It, you for being uh, copycat Beatles or whatever. Man, they did it right. You know. <laughs> so, sure. Well, I mean, look so, at look at the talent they had in the studio when that was being cut, right from Tommy and Bobby who wrote the thing all the way through to the Wrecking Crew. The, I mean, Kirshner, say what you will about him, he lined up the right cats for the job. Right, one hundred percent, and we're still enjoying it to this day. There you go. I mean, think about you know, there are literally thousands of records that came out in mm -hmm. 1966, mm -hmm. and the percentage of them that we still listen to and talk about today. Uh, you know, is is pretty small, all things considered. Right. So, so all right. Back to where? Did yeah, where did it? Where did it get in your bloodstream? Well, you know, the show was fun. The, the show just the madness of it. It was it was amazing, and it was one of those things where, like the Beatles, you could see Hard Day's Night, and you could you know listen to the album. Right. But the, the music survived in ways that the TV show never could, which I feel like sometimes the TV show gets a short end of the stick because the TV show takes some time. It's it's at least 26 minutes, and if you're buying the Blu-ray set, it's a little more commitment and so on and so forth. But uh, it, it wasn't always available. Like Kids don't understand in this world of Netflix and YouTube that – Sometimes a TV show would air the monkeys every day. It would seem like for years, and then just stop and, for and then something. gone. Yeah, and you're like, what? But but uh, uh, and, and then, then you find it on another channel, right? And 
then eventually that all dried up. But the music survived. And I remember having the first four albums. And those albums stayed with me. And just to me, they're as important as the Beatles music is. Well, and those singles remained... The hit singles remained uh, remained on in rotation on you know your gold stations in the in the in the eighties and in the seventies it remained all uh, by and large on the um, you know the the flashback sixties hour on the uh, on the local hit stations mm-hmm. or the oldie of the day and right. things like no matter what it was it was ubiquitous as the phrase is. Uh, it was just all, all the time, everywhere. You weren't far from the monkeys musically, even when the TV show stopped appearing. So in some ways, the, the music was a constant reminder of the show. You know, for those of us who were lucky enough to enjoy both. And the whole MTV thing coming along, that was just, just amazing. Who would have ever saw that coming? Right. But... As far as how this became a show and it got into my blood, like I said, it was the music that kept things going. Whereas it just would have been a show that would have fell away. The music kept it vital. I think, uh, I think it's deeper than that, Ken. I, I mean, the music is great and the, and the show is great, but there's something that just resonates with you, Ken Mills, on a, on a, on a molecular level. And that's what I'm trying to find out. You know, the music is great, but there's lots of great music. What is it specifically about this, about the entire Monkees experience that that resonates so strongly with you? Well, you know, whether it's it's just the music, but then there's also the fact that they were able to take this job, which was like a TV show slash boy band. Right. And they actually took control of the wheel in their own way they they actually went from being pinocchio to being real you know right and that just doesn't happen that that never happens and it usually if it does happen like we would see things like uh, ricky nielsen for example right you know he he had his moment in the sun and he went away and he wanted to become a serious musician. He wanted people to take him seriously. That usually happens years afterwards. Like we call it typecast in the world of TV and movies. Right. Where people get this idea that this is all you are, this is all you ever can be. And the monkeys kind of realized early on that they wanted to be more than than the pop characters. And so just that story of how they basically took over the kingdom if you will and changed their own direction for good or bad right or wrong that's that's an undeniable story and it is such a great story and I've, i i think it's sad that like we still have to explain it to people all the time if you're a monkey's fan you realize this burden you realize <laughs> this pain that you have that the people around you go oh the monkeys i like them i like last train to clarksville and then you're like but you don't know headquarters yet. You don't know the story. And it's it's like everybody's in this weird religion where we, we have to let other people know. And I feel bad for fandoms that get crapped on. There's a lot of them, too. Yeah. I've I've, always, but especially us. <laughs> yeah. I've always felt bad for fans of, like, for example, Kiss. because Well, because they wear makeup, 
they can't be good. Well, that's ridiculous. You know, here's here's one thing that that you know everyone needs to realize: more than one thing can be true at the same time. Sometimes two things can be true at the same time. So yes, Kiss can have a gimmick, but yes, they also write some really great pop rock songs. So those two things can can be true at the same time. When you take people who are so smart for their own good, like let's say Rolling Stone or the critics, they say the monkeys were a gimmick band. That's the end of the sentence. Right. That's the beginning of the sentence for monkeys fans. Do you see the difference there? Because we're digging we're digging a little bit deeper. Right. right. That's the beginning of our diet. Sure, they were a prefab made for TV band, but they went on to create some of the best pop music from the 60s, you know, right on up till the, the newest album. And it's, it's great to see all the press that the monkeys are getting this year. Don't you, don't you love that? I, I really do, and I'm glad that so much of it is, is so positive and so much of it, you know, for every article that comes out, there's always at least one new item in just about everything that comes out, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, and it's really interesting to uh, to see it now. It kind of got buried under all the election news, so the general public isn't going. Oh, I wonder what I wonder how Peter Tork feels about <laughs> touring in Australia. But um, it, you know, it is. It's it's really interesting. You talk about fandom being being crapped on, and um, you know, you guys like you and me, we tend to root for the underdog because we know their secret superpower. Right. And, you know, like Kiss, like the Monkees, like any number of examples, there's there's the the surface that everybody looks at and goes, huh, hmm, huh. And then and then the understory where there's a lot of talent. I mean, so much work went into making the first two albums so successful, which then set that ball in motion. Um so, you know, how how does that story about uh about Pinocchio becoming a real boy? resonate with you what does that what does that mean to you well isn't that what we all uh have to go through in life i mean think about it when you're a kid you're just a kid have you ever heard that phrase before your daddy's just a kid right he, he doesn't know from whatever you know in reality that's the struggle of life you want to go from being this this kid and this this ball of energy and you're running around the backyard. You might have a towel on for a cape or your right. pow, pow, pow or whatever thing you're doing. And, uh, you know, reading comic books or, you know, and, and as an artist, it went from like, I can draw Spider-Man. I can draw Superman. I can draw Batman. And now I want to try to paint. So in that same aspect, artistically, I went from being a kid who heard music to figuring out how to play a guitar to writing my own songs to wanting to be heard and wanted my art to be seen. And even if you don't play guitar or write music or, you know, draw or paint, you, you still go from being just a kid to being who you are. And in a sense, the monkeys went from here's what you here's what we want you to be to here's who you actually are. And yeah, you're never going to get to know Mike Nesmith or Peter Tork uh, from just an album, you know, because they're humans unto themselves and there's your construct of what they are. Right. 
But when you think about the monkeys and you think about the Beatles, and you, you cannot have a discussion about the monkeys without talking about the Beatles. But there's, the, for example, George Harrison is the quiet one, and Paul's the cute one, and, you know, um, you know, John's the intellectual. And the monkeys are just broken down in the same way. Whereas Davy's the cute one and Mike's the serious introspective one and Mickey's the wacky guy who's also a genius, you know, and Peter's this love and understanding and peace and, you know, trying to make it all work, you know, plus he's the probably the best musician in the band on many levels, you right. know, so you don't see that in every band, you know. <laughs> Is that because every band isn't as accessible and written about? You know, you'll never learn the guys in Procol Harum um, because there's not as much written about them and not as much fan interest as the, in the individual guys in Procol Harum, just to pull a band at random. But there's yeah. so much about, you know, starting from day one with Tiger Beat Magazine all the way to fan interest today, there's so much written about these four guys. Right. And it was important to Bob and Bert as well to make sure that, you know, they, again, looking at the Beatles, they knew that there was the quiet one and the intellectual one and the approachable one and the cute one. They saw that. So they wanted the, you know, they could have picked any other four guys, but they saw something in these four guys that was dying to get out. They saw it. You know what I'm saying? Even right. if they had total control over it at the beginning. By the end of the second season, they were their own people. I mean, to the point where if they didn't want to do a scene, they'd just say, okay, well, this isn't working. And, you know, there's times that that's improv and there's times that uh, it's it's real. You know, we actually saw that. Those interviews that were on the show. Yeah. That was really breaking the fourth wall. You know, when you think about it, this was one of the first times, like, for example, William Shatner was Captain Kirk. Mickey Dolans was Mickey Dolans. Davy Jones was Davy Jones. You know, it goes on like that. Right. They, so, there, were, there was never, uh, uh, prior to that, there was never anybody who broke character, um, you know, to really speak about anything beyond, you know, their character. Um, you know, Jackie Gleason was always Ralph Cramden, and he, and he didn't break character um, and break the fourth wall to talk about what was going on in his life. Right, like if they ran short a minute on Green Acres, uh, Mr. Drucker didn't talk about Southeast Asia. <laughs> I just, I'm imagining uh, Arnold Ziffel sitting in a director's chair, smoking a cigarette, and and just talking about women's lib or whatever's on his mind. But you didn't, you didn't have that. Yeah. You never had. Like Colonel Clink saying, okay, we've got an extra minute and, uh, you know, you can stop the shtick now. So what do you think about the kids on the streets today? And <laughs> that would be just, so cool. You never had that. No other show did that. So you got to see them as there's these guys in a band, then they're on this adventure and they know that it's not real. Right. And now we're going to see behind the scenes. So that further, it, it was like another layer that got peeled away each time. And it made us think that we knew them more than we did. It really opened it up. And it was also so very subversive in that it brought hippie stuff, counterculture, into the living room. And the parents' defenses went down because 
It's just that show for kids. Meanwhile, they're talking to your kids about riots and how the media is controlling things and, you know, that the catchphrase becomes a toothpaste commercial and, you know, that thing where Peter talks about how they're just selling. They, they just take these words and they sell you something with them. Right. My God, that like just that just that alone. Think about what that is doing. Think of the seed that that planted in our little pea-sized brains. That we went like, really? Wow. Yeah, it's true. They're selling this stuff. Remember when that Generation X thing happened, and you had X Games and X this and X that, and it, everything was X this and X that, and uh, it was just very strange. It was everything, you know. This was extreme bread. Yeah. Extreme toothpaste, extreme, you know. I don't need toothpaste to be extreme. No. <laughs> I just need to brush my teeth. Yeah. yeah. But everything was aimed at extreme, extreme, extreme. Because that's what the kids like. You know, it's the yeah. the old bit that the, that the guys used to do where there was a guy sitting behind his desk with a cigar going, the kids are going to love this. Ah. <laughs> right. So yeah. it was you it was still the kids are going to love this but they were also part of the kids. They were I think Bob and Bert were as much as they were trying to capitalize on things were also trying to understand it and become their own uh you know go from their own little boy to becoming a man, you know, in their own way they they went from making this little half an hour comedy show to doing these really important movies that helped change cinema. So it's it's not the, the monkeys aren't just Mickey, Mike, Peter, and David. It's also Bert and Bob and James Frawley and Val Carey, Vinay, and it just it goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. It's not just a TV show. It's not just it's not just an album. It's not just Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart. It is a huge, vast thing, and I know that for myself, I had been doing. Uh, a kiss podcast for probably six years. And I was looking around at like how many bands don't have podcasts. Like for example, if you're a Beatles fan, There's a you ton. can drown in Beatles podcast. You could listen to free Beatles podcast starting Monday morning and going to Sunday night. And you will still will not listen to all of them. That's how many there are. And for KISS, it started to be that way, like where there was 30 KISS podcasts. And it seemed like there was one every week. There was a new one coming out. And I'm like, how come Van Halen doesn't have a podcast? How come Cheap Trick doesn't have a podcast? How come – and the the one thing with the monkeys is that you could kind of joke about them occasionally. You know, They were a punchline to so many jokes and it, not, in a, not in a mean way. Like – we we ran a board called the Kiss Fan Site, and right. it was it was a great place for Kiss fans where they could go, and they could like anything they wanted, and nobody was going to say that it was stupid. If you think that Paul's cute in this outfit, you could do that. You know, you, fine, because there's a lot of Kiss boards that, for example, they only want to talk about the music, and if a girl comes along and says, "I think Paul Stanley's just dreamy." A bunch of guys will like go, blah, 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 you're not a real fan, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Guess what? The little girls know what the men don't understand. So one day on the KISS fan site on April Fool's Day, I made it the Monkeys fan site. 
Now, just imagine, like, you've got, like, you know, 8,000 KISS fans. And they click on their favorite hangout place. And instead of seeing KISS fan site, they see Monkey's fan site, right? And, like, each character had, like, a room. If you want to talk about Gene Simmons, you can go to this room. Well, it was the Peter Tork room that day. <laughs> now, I and, know you, and I know you put thought into which KISS member corris- which Kiss member's room yes. corresponded to each monkey's room. Absolutely, I did. So, the, But here's the thing I learned about that, that how many KISS fans actually dug it? I was shocked. I was amazed because I love the monkeys and it was such a great thing. And it was almost like my little secret because I remember being at parties in the eighties or nineties and the monkeys would come out eventually, but it was usually, Oh, the Beatles or Oh, this or that. And, but man, once a couple drinks start flying, the monkeys comes, (laughs) (laughs) comes out of you or comes out of the, the, the party in general, everybody, because everybody loves last train to Clarksville. I don't care if you may not know what albums it's off of, but people love the monkeys. Even people that hate the monkeys, that hate the idea, they'll go like, that's a damn fine pop song. You know what I'm saying? Sure. That's, that's what we're getting this year with me and Magdalena. Oh, what a beautiful cut. It absolutely is. And people are like, so, yeah, the monkey, but God, that's a great song. What a great performance, you know. It's uh, definitely above the pay pay grade, as they say. So, it, so, oh, go on. Well, it, the common denominator in my mind um, is Kiss seems like one of those bands, like the Monkees, where you get hooked at a young age. You know, I, I'm I'm slightly younger than you, just a little bit, and I remember you know kids my age. Um, uh, convincing their parents to let them stay up and watch Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park because it was cool. But it w- that was grade school, right? Right. And those guys became lifelong Kiss fans to the point where they're going to Gene and Paul's restaurant and buying the Kiss coffins and things like oh. that. And it, it just got in their bloodstream at an early age like the monkeys did with you. Well, in that same thing, and I don't want to turn this into the Kiss talk show, but if you think about it, all those little kids – that either didn't get to see Kiss in the 70s when they got driver's license and could go to the Enormo Dome and Kiss was playing with White Lion, they were there. And when Kiss was down on the ropes and couldn't draw a crowd, those people would still show up because they had heard about the legend. And even though it wasn't the makeup Kiss, it was still Kiss. And they got to enjoy that in the same way that... uh, the monkeys legend had this go around. And then later all those people who had remembered seeing the TV show pop, here it is again on MTV and it became an overnight sensation again. So there's, there's, there's a real correlation there, you know? So as I was saying, so just imagine you go to this kiss website and it's all monkeys. And I said, it's, it's, you know, I told people this is an April Fool's joke. (laughs) (laughs) We are not going to stay the monkeys board. But people were like, I don't mind this. I actually miss the monkeys. (laughs) I love the monkeys. And so it was, it was, it was a really cool experiment. And then I would mention that on the, on the, the podcast, which is our, Kiss show, I would mention that I want to start doing other shows. Right. And I said, 
that I'd like to do one on Cheap Trick, one on Alice Cooper, the Beatles, and the Monkees. And out of all those things, the two, the two that really popped was Alice Cooper and the Monkees. People are like, no, I'm serious about this Monkees thing. I want you to do a Monkees show. Please, please do this Monkees thing. And I'm like, well, you know, someday I'll, I'll, we're going to do a special. Well, that special did happen, and it was never supposed to be its own show. So what was just supposed to be a one-time special turned into a show that's celebrating uh, nigh on 100 episodes soon. You know, we're, we're in like the 70s right now. Right. So what was supposed to be a one-time thing, and boy, isn't, aren't the monkeys neat, and this is cool, and it just took off. And so if you're a Monkees fan and you like Zilch, you need to like smile when you see a Kiss you know, video come on or if you're on YouTube and you see Kiss or you hear a song come on. It, it, there's a big connection there. And when you look at like these four bands, four or five bands I'm going to mention, uh, Kiss, the Monkees, Cheap Trick, and the Beatles are all bands of four guys that all have incredibly distinct personalities. You know, whether it's Cheap Trick with you got the wacky kid, the, the wacky guy with the bow tie, and then the guy who looks like he's selling tires, you know, or insurance. <laughs> and then the two really cute guys and so on and so forth. Right. Those were as distinctive as the demon, the star child, the spaceman, and the cat, as the quiet one and the cute one and the... You know the hippie love guy, smart one, and yeah, guy with the wool hat. They're all, all distinct, and they would all work as bubblegum cards. They would all work as lunch boxes and assorted action figures. Collect them all. So there was something about that group unity where they all looked the same but different. Those monkey shirts, my God, that was genius. The eight button Gene Autry shirts. Yes, that was... Incredible. I know it's Gene Ashman, but the shirt was inspired yeah. by Gene Autry. So before you get emails, and I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Gene Ashman shirts were inspired by Gene Autry. Right. The old cowboy shirts. And it's so weird that they would take that, and it didn't look cowboy then. You know what I mean? It didn't really strike you as cowboy. It, it gave them that sense of group unity. In the same sense that the Beatles all having the same suit. You know what I mean? Yeah. The same sort of thing. They all looked the same but different. So. And then your second season, Monkeys, comes. And they all, they all express their own uh, individuality. Uh, right. And, and that, that same thing happened with the Beatles and with Kiss and so on and so forth. You know, the, it, it expands. It expands and you get to know them more. You think you get to know the them because there's the actual person, too. So what you know as the monkeys and what those four guys are are not the same thing you know like it's weird there was a michael nesmith put out a new hat a uh, nes oh, hat the camouflage hat. beanie yeah the camouflage beanie and there was we posted a picture of him where he took this picture of him wearing the hat and we put the someone took the and put the picture of Mike with the wool hat from 1966 and Mike with the camo beanie that says Neshead, which is a homage to both the wool hat and the uh, movie that he made called Tapeheads. 
it's kind of like, you know, the difference, 2016, 1966. And this one woman said, well, what happened to Mike? He used to be so cute. And it's like. 50 years happened, man. Yeah, 50 years happened. That's that's what happens. And it's weird because to many people, you know, you got to love fans because they see things. Shout out to Sarah Clark, who runs the Fandom Lenses blog. Uh, fans see things through fandom lenses. And God, you know, you got to love being a singer because if you're a singer and you had girls swooning over you when you were 17, you can have those same girls and their daughters and their granddaughters swooning over you when you're 77. It's it's possible, folks. I mean, right. <laughs> it, it's weird. People will look at a, a, a photo of Mickey Dolenz or Paul Stanley or Paul McCartney and these, these girls will just be – and I call them girls because it's not an insult to them as women. But the girl comes out. You know what I mean? It's like – Right. <sighs> they become that 13-year-old tiger beat yeah. girl. And I don't so, know that that's limited exclusively to, to singers either. I think no, no, you know, if we were to go to an autograph show and see Tony Dow, right – or, um, well, I'm trying There's to... somebody out there that loves Tony Dow and will love him forever. There's right. somebody out there. There's someone out there that loves Tony Danza and he just flips the switch and he or she just will always love him. It's just the, the, the Duke boys, the William Shatner. It doesn't matter how bloated you get, how old you get, how much hair you lose, how much plastic surgery you have to have. Somebody out there is going, oh, he's so fine. You know, <laughs> this person tripped my switch way back then. Like, I still think Anne Margaret is beautiful. Susan Sarandon, there's something about her bug eyes that just, man, she just trips my trigger, you know. Right. And I'll, I'll always love her. So in that same way, it doesn't matter if Mike wears a wool hat, you know, to, and it's not 1966 anymore. If, if you're someone who thought Mike was attractive, you know, you're going to see him and go like, oh, <laughs> And that's that's a very cool thing about being a fan. And I always hated the fact that, like, you know, we talked about there's – if you go to a message board and you talk about what grade of guitar string somebody used on what song, guys will, like, argue that forever, right? They'll talk about how, no, they should have used this and they should have done that and that this chord was the wrong thing to play and – they never should have recorded this song and blah, blah, blah. And, and some people just want to talk about how cute someone is. And that's as valid as anything else. See, that's the thing about Zilch is it's so inclusive of uh, all the entire spectrum of Monkees fans from the, you know, the casual fan who's like, I like Lars Trainer Clarks. Well, can tune in and, and kind of get, um, you know, dig a little deeper if they choose to, but it doesn't alienate them. And then the guys like you and me who have read everything out there, who have, you know, had conversations with the guys who, you know, have hunted down locations in this weird obsessive fan that we have, um, you know, they're, they're as welcome as even the most casual fan. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's, that's by design. And, you know, we were talking about how Zilch started. It was just a special, and it was four guys getting together to talk about the monkeys. But then early on, I saw some some fan reaction early on. And there were like, you know, it, it's one of those things like as an artist or a musician or whatever you do, 
you can have 10,000 people saying, I love this. And then the one person says, but I wished that it would be like this. So it was important to me to listen to those other voices a bit. You can't let those voices define you, but hopefully you can take anything that is deemed negative and turn it into a positive. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because there was some reaction that I saw on Tumblr and Twitter and BizBangle and Facebook and Faceblog and Twitter's Bang and all these weird things. Mm-hmm. There were some people that said, this is great, but I hope it's going to be more than just four guys talking. What did they want other than four guys talking? Because that's most podcasts. Right. And that's part of the problems with podcasting. And I'm getting to somewhere with this. Uh, I I saw where people were saying, I I hope it's not going to be just a guy-driven thing. I hope that it's not going to be only these four people. And it, it... it first of all, there was never supposed to be an episode two, <laughs> <laughs> or a three, or a fifty-four, or a seventy-six, whatever. It was just a one-time thing, but it felt so good, so good. It felt so good that we had to keep it going, and I wanted to try to keep it going. I didn't know by the end. Like if you listen to episode zero. It starts out, we're doing this special to, at the very end, we're talking about, well, maybe we could talk about each one of the albums. And two of the guys were doing the Star Trek uh, from the Tricorder Transmission, a a fine Star Trek original podcast, original series podcast. Uh, They were doing the commentary for each episode of the original series. And they were like, well, we can do this with the monkeys too. So I thought, all right. So we'll talk about the albums and you guys can do that. And then I'll be done. I'll be out of this, right? No, it's, it's not that simple. <laughs> so, so I had read this about like, I hope it's not just a male perspective on the monkeys. And I thought, well, to me, males are only part. And, and when I say males, I'm talking about the, the heterosexual uh, traditional male dominated music talk. You know what I'm saying? Right. And there are some guys and gals that just want to talk about Davey being cute and those shirts. And some people want to talk about the merchandise and some people want to talk about this, that, and the other thing. Um, I thought, well, I, I don't know what to do. And one of the problems I have with podcasting in general is it takes no intelligence it takes no real skill to do it anyone can do this anyone can podcast but i also feel that we as men have been traditionally trained to be louder like where's a girl got a you know an oven we got a machine gun toy right right so (laughs) okay i'll I'll buy that yeah um and 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 so the the podcast is kind of metamorphed into this uh into what it is now on uh when you when we go over to the deep dish radio side we're going to talk a little bit more about the about the school of podcasting and what got you podcasting and things like that but zilch uh, obviously has grown into where we are today you know everyone listening to the show right now uh, has come to the show as a result of what it's grown into right now. Can you talk a little bit about w- uh, how Zilch has affected your life on a day-to-day basis? Sure, I will, but I do want to say one last thing about sure. 
the the uh, the, the importance of bringing in other voices. Uh, we were contacted by a young lady by the name of Sarah Clark, who has a PhD and is just a really cool person. And she said, Are, is it only going to be you guys? And I said, can I call you in five minutes? Now, a lot of people would say, I want nothing to do with this guy. <laughs> but she said, sure, give me a call. And I said, so when are you going to start on the show? I need you to get a microphone. And her life changed that day for good or bad here it is you know right and uh it was kind of like listen i need to find somebody and it keep in mind just because she's a female it doesn't mean she just is wanting to talk about how cute the monkeys are she can hold her own weight and you know stand toe to toe and that's the greatness of this so but we've been what i'm trying to say is that the monkeys music the monkeys tv show the monkeys whatever it's not just one thing and it's not just one voice and it's not just one perspective. So that's, to me, I feel part of the joy of the show is that it's not just Ken-driven. I may be Captain Kirk, but I need my Spock and I need my McCoy and I need my, you know, or, 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 you know the, the rest of the crew. I need them. Even and, those of us that are red shirts. No one dies on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and the red shirts we have have eight buttons. Have on eight them. buttons, right. So, or monkey men costumes. So it all works out, but we, it's great that we are all ages and open to all generations of monkeys fans. Like there's, there's this big discussion. Well, are you first gen fan or are you this fan? Are you that fan? We're open to all fans. So if you're a monkeys fan, this is the show for you. Now you were saying your question, our next thing you wanted to get to. The next thing. And and that's, that's an excellent point. And one of the things that I really like about um, about Zilch that you don't get in other fan-based podcasts, whether it's comics or music or or comedy or even like your Laurel and Hardy website, there there tends to become fiefdoms, you know, where uh, where there's there's certain kingdoms where certain fans live and you can't cross over. Whereas Zilch is, really makes an effort to be inclusive to first generation fans, to the to the uh, the fans who just want to talk about how cute they are, to the guys. You know who want to talk about what patch cord, uh, you know the, the the session guys used on Last Train to Clarksville, right? It's all out there, and it's cool because now there are other monkeys fan podcasts that are coming out. There's We Want the Monkeys, the Ter- the the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion, Chicken- Al Bigley Show. Hi, Al. Big Al Bigley and his his. Uh, it, it's 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 a it's a good show, and then there's. Um, the the same page cast with Craig Smith who was part of our initial push and he helped us out and helped get us going. Craig Smith was he he gave us a certain gravitas. He gave us uh, you know he because he's such he's so into the minutia of the recordings and stuff. He really helped us out early on by establishing you know that we weren't just all fluff. Here's, here's this. And he, and uh, another wonderful uh, voice in podcasting, Megan Stem Wade do the same, same page cast, which is an offshoot of the pods and sods network. So they, they talk about the monkeys on the same page cast a lot to the point where they're actually doing a breakdown of each monkey's session. So instead of like talking about just the first album, we're talking about the first sessions, what was recorded, what was recorded during those first sessions. So 
it, it's great. You've got Dave Galvin's We Want the Monkeys, and they are actually going to become part of the Zilch podcast. And we've been blessed to have so much great talent on this show. Just so much great talent. You've got David Wills, who goes by the name of Ghosty Timmers. He's kind of like our de facto serious radio voice. You're, you're Gary Owens. Yeah, our Gary Owens. And Jeff Geringer and Melinda Gildart and... Uh, Richard and Sarah Wolofsky. It just it just goes on and on and on. We've got a very deep bench. Ian Lee from over in England, him and Glenn from 7A Records. Right. Uh, just so much talent out there. And it. I'm glad to see like there's a movement in Monkeys podcasting coming along to where I've sought out people who were teens and people who were young to people who from, from all different, you know, areas of life and different areas of fandom i've tr- i've sought that out and they're now it's kind of like we're all coming out you know like <laughs> i'm a monkeys fan and i don't care what you think about it yep. <laughs> you know? it's just as good a music as anything else so it is know. uh it is really interesting to see how people have embraced this show um you know when you encounter them in larger events i'm blessed to live in southern california so within the space of six months um, I was able to go to the Egyptian theater and see a screening of, of four episodes that the, that the good folks at Rhino had, had put together where they're screening the Blu-ray episodes and uh, Mickey was there and being interviewed and also the Pantages show. And in both of those situations, I was in some in partially responsible for giving away zilch buttons, right? Yes. I was just the de facto lieutenant. I at the I just... And... Um, people just people just loved it i mean i saw people waiting three deep to get a hold of uh, some zilch buttons and people just went nuts for them the the egyptian theater staff was asked me for buttons so they could go out and hand them out because people were asking for them yeah like like well i heard there were buttons supposed to be here so they're actually going to the venue and to Rhino staffers saying where are the buttons right that's why <laughs> that's why i stood near the the merch table at the egyptian um <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm the guy that handed Rodney Bingenheimer his uh, his zilch button. That's pretty cool. Just wrap your head around that for a few seconds. I it, I've been doing it since it happened, dude. Yeah, and it's it's so weird because uh, I recently was talking to a uh, wonderfully funny female comic who's going to be on the show soon, but she got her button that night, and it's weird because. People do not understand the breadth and the scope of who is a Monkees fan. Like you, Kids in the Hall. Dave from Kids in the Hall is, is a huge Monkees fan. Which makes sense if you yeah. if you consider it. One of the reasons that I got into comedy and got into improvisation was because of the, the seed planted by what I saw of those four guys on television. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and it's, it's gotten to a point where... Uh, you know, we've actually had Peter Tork on the show and uh, got to meet he and Mickey at St. Louis. It was just amazing. And I, none of this was planned. None of this was planned. But over in Australia this week, they're having zilch meetups and they're they're having fan gatherings. And on the other side of the world, I'll never go to Australia more, more than likely. But I've been there now. And everywhere these buttons go, there's a smile. And... We are all responsible for a lot of smiles. And how many times can you say that in the world? How many times can you say that your smiles are uh, are intercontinental? That's true. You know, that's true. that's that's the the beautiful thing 
about uh, about a well constructed podcast. Once you get your audience, man. Once you get your audience, you are you are all over the world, and uh, you know the the feedback you get not only from the listeners but from from your guests and from your contributors is um, for guys like us who just want to be heard. It's really affirming. Absolutely, and the one thing I want people to take away from what I was saying earlier about other voices, you have a voice. You out there right now, if you're listening to me, you have a voice. It may come through a guitar. It may come through tap dancing. I don't care what the media is. It may come through a blog or a Tumblr thing. I know that Melanie Mitchell, our own Melanie Mitchell, who wrote the book Monkey Magic, you know, she started out just blogging and it became a book. And now she's part of our show and does the Monkey's Color Cast Commentary with Jeff Hewlett. And... If you're out there, you're not alone. That's the other thing. There's these two things. You have a voice. Be part of this. If you want to talk about the monkeys, get your camera and just talk into it and load it up to YouTube. Somebody will check it out. And there's it, it blows my mind when I go on YouTube and I'll see like uh, a 15-year-old girl talking about the importance of head or you know, why this episode is great. And they show, they're showing off their monkeys collections and just, just anything is as weird as that. It, it's so cool. And every time antenna TV shows a new episode, a new monkeys fan born every single time, you know, like you'd see Davy Jones's eyes, you know, twinkle. Every time that happens, someone <laughs> becomes a Davy Jones fan just as fast as that. It just keeps repeating itself. So the two things I want anyone to take away from this episode is that you have a voice and B, you are not alone. I don't care if you were mocked, you know, when you were a kid for liking the monkeys or maybe you went to college and someone said, yeah, but the monkeys aren't that cool. REM's where it's at. Well, guess what? Talk to REM and they'll tell you that the monkeys are the bomb. You know, they'll tell you that they love the monkeys. And an influence on the sound, no question. Exactly. And if you can't hear it, you're not listening. So there you so, go. Wear your wool hat with pride, folks. That's right. And, or your eight-button shirt or whatever. It's just a black T-shirt and you just just get it and just have it and just say shirt. You know how Mickey had just the drum that drum. said yeah. drum. Just, just put out a shirt that says shirt. Coming <laughs> soon from Zilchware. Shirt. That's that's a brilliant <laughs> but, idea. I mean, just you talk about subversive and being artistic. I mean, Mickey was doing that, and that's the kind of stuff that you saw in art galleries. But people give that no credit, you know, zero credit. But that's what was happening. That is amazing when you think about that. Nobody was doing that. That's the kind of stuff that uh, that that really does set the monkeys apart. Just little things like that. But like I said, you have a voice. Use it. Uh, let people know and, and love one another. And for God's sakes, you are not alone. There's there's so many millions and millions of Monkees fans out there. I mean, we get downloads from – I'll look and see where the downloads are coming from. Right. And it blows my mind like Botswana. Who's listening to Last Train to Clarksville and Botswana or some – you know, Prague, who's listening to <laughs> Zilch in Prague or China? And it just blows my mind that 
the, the smallest country, Sri Lanka, you know, somebody's listening to Zilch. You just see, like, there's three listeners in Sri Lanka. Really? How'd that happen? You know? It just does. So, yeah. Just and does. we hear from people that say, you know, I felt alone until I heard this show. Yeah. And, Monkey's fandom can be kind of isolated because it's just you and the television or it's just you and the record, you know? Right. And there's so but there now, was Yeah. Now, come on, you know, you and I have both sat in concert halls with with 5,000 of our closest friends. Oh, absolutely. And I finally saw the monkeys for the first time ever. And it was amazing. And this current band that they have. Oh, my God. Deadly Sharp. Yeah. The best. Simply the best. They really are a great band. Um, All right. Well, let's let's wrap up with a couple of quick monkeys questions for Ken. First of All all, what's the coolest thing in your monkeys collection? A zilch button. Oh, come on. No, seriously. Uh, I have I have a bunch of cool stuff. I've got a bunch of signed stuff, and uh, I've had a lot of cool stuff given to me. But I'm not a big collector. Like, I don't have monkeys action figures. You know, maybe someday. But I, I just, do you, I'm do just you have not kiss a, action figures? I have kiss dolls. I don't have kiss action figures. I have kiss dolls. Okay. There's, there's a big difference. One is posturing, the other is real. <laughs> I'm not cool. I just am. So, uh, yeah. I As far as monkeys collect, to me, the music is the thing. And the Blu-ray, my God. That those Between the, the music and the Blu-ray, I'm set. Like, I don't need... Uh, I don't need uh, a bunch of bric-a-brac. I don't need a monkey's puzzle. I've I've got I've got the puzzle in my head already. There so. you go. I'm not a merch person. <laughs> to me, what really matters is the music and and the show, and that Blu-ray set is just absolutely amazing, uh, worth its weight in gold. And and I've got the music and the rest. You know, like I said, a zilch button because to me, that says so much more about my monkey's experience than anything else. Well, with regard to your monkey's experience then, um, what are some of the coolest uh, encounters with either fans or insiders or uh, monkeys themselves? What are some of the coolest experiences that you've had? Well, St. Louis was amazing because it was like the ultimate monkeys fan gathering, right? Um, I went to St. Louis and uh, we, we got in there and Andrew Sandoval came up and introduced himself to me in this empty hall and then Peter Tork uh, sees me and uh, the the band saw me and the, the you know John Billings and Rich Dart are waving at me and right. Peter Tork announces over the PA he goes Ken Mills from the Zilch podcast is here <laughs> over the uh, uh, you know big speaker there at the in, in the arena and that was just surreal. <laughs> and uh, then meeting all the great people that showed up. We had a private club that we, uh, you know, paid to reserve. And just all these people showed up. But I didn't realize, like, how big it was yet because we had, like, 30 people plus their spouses show up at this private club and everybody paid to get in. And then after a certain point, there was, like, a buffet. And then after that, the, it was going to open up to everybody, right? Right. Well, 
we're we're standing there, and in walks Andrew Sandoval into the event, and he's just hanging out with like thirty people and their spouses, and uh, just 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 hanging out. And this is the guy who is like the monkey's historian, you know. And then the bass player shows up, John Billings, and him and his family show up, and we're just all hanging out. And then they come up and tap you on the shoulder and say, "The monkeys would, you know, want to take pictures with you." No, really? And so they they grabbed like five of us and we went down and I felt horrible leaving the event. But when the monkeys say it's time, it's time. Right. And we went down there and they put us in front of all the people that had legitimate meet and greet kind of things. And they stuck us in a VIP room and we're sitting there and somebody's looking through this frosted window and I hear the words, it's Ken Mills. <laughs> and this person pushes their face up against the frosted glass to get a better look at me. And I'm like, yeah, it's Ken Mills. I, they, who's that? You know, but it was so cool that that happened because it just kind of let me know how big this thing was. And then later when we were walking back through to go back to the club, at this point, the venue was open to the public. And so there's this huge line of Monkeys merchandise. Uh, people, people, people in line to get Monkeys merchandise, right? I mean, it's, it's the longest line I've ever seen, right? Okay. And uh, as I'm saying, can I get through? I want to, I just need to get to the other side of this sea of people. And as I'm walking through, I'm hearing, that's Ken. Hey, that's Ken from Zilch. That's that Zilch guy. And it just really tripped me out. It was it was quite amazing. And I'm not anybody. I'm not anything. I'm just a guy and I have a microphone and this happened. And the love and support from people who are part of this thing, because I've always said this is not my show. This is your show. This is our show. This is not a Ken Mills thing. This is all of us. If you're out there and you're on the night shift and you're a nurse and you're listening to this show while you're doing your charts, you are part of this show. If you're a a young teen who is trying to figure out Clarksville for the first time, you're part of this show. And it is beautiful to be part of this with you. Thank God we live in these special times where the monkeys are still a viable thing. And not only that, we're very viable. And when I say we, I mean you, them, us, everybody. So it's it's a very cool thing to be part of this. I look at I look at pictures of uh, a grandmother, a daughter, and a child with a zilch button at a monkey sh- show. Do you know what that does to your head? That is so cool. You know, and uh, it, it's it's I'm in awe of it. I'm in awe of it all. There is a, a really cool person by the name of Rebecca Prepke who loves the show so much that her mother made this book taking all of the art from the shows. Like every episode we put up, each one has its own unique art. Mm-hmm. She made her a book with every show art for every episode ever. And it's this really cool book. And she sent me pictures of it. And it just it blew my mind. And I'm having her on the holiday episode 
because I want her picture to be in that book. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that's just indicative of the Ken Mills character that we were just just getting to. Not the um, a character meaning the the intrinsic man, you know, just to be inclusive and understand that, you know, like you said, the Zilch is really a, a cumulative effort of all its contributors and its fans. And I think that's that's part of its charm. And that's why a lot of us keep coming back. Tell me a little bit about uh, future direction. Where do you see Zilch going from here? Well, I know that for Sarah, Melanie, Jeff and Craig and uh, Jeff and Ghosty and Christine and everybody, it's this all this summer. It's been like, well, we'll we'll get to that. But right now, it's the year of the monkeys. <laughs> right now, yeah, Blu-rays out. Now the monkeys are on tour. Now we have this great album. Now, and it's kind of been taken over in a sense. Like our standard game got taken away from us, but it's been a fun game to play nonetheless. Well, at right? the same time, your timing couldn't have been better. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd like to, you know. Uh, really say thank you to all the people at Rhino. Two souls stranded in a barren wasteland. Of Rhino, let me sing. O keepers of the cool, O masters of the past, I seek thy catalog. 800 number. 800-432-0020. It's a free call. It's a free catalog. With catalogs in hand, I wander through these sacred decades. Be it rock and roll, country, rhythm and blues, comedy, children's fair, or the unravished home video. Oh, fair rhino. Oh, sweet rhino. Oh, virtuous rhino. When old age shall this generation waste, thou shalt remain the bastion of taste. Rhino rocks my world. 800-432-0020. And specifically John Hughes. Hi, you, John. And specifically Andrew Sandoval and John Hughes' assistants as well. And the monkeys themselves. Because this this whole concept, this whole thing could be shut down like that. They could say, we don't like what you say. And here's the thing at Zilch. We don't mind saying we don't like something. But we also don't mind saying that we like something. So if we have a roundtable, for example, on an album, not everyone has to agree that this song is good or bad. We have differing opinions, just as it should be, and it should be represented in that sense. Like, there's nothing that we really shy away from, you know. Right. But it does change things. For example, if I were to review a Tim Powers album, let's say you put an album out, and I know you're going to be on the show, I'm not going to like go, this is the biggest piece of crap I've ever heard. I'll say, well, there were flaws, but... <laughs> But so it's. I it's, assure you, a Tim Powers album would uh, would be full of crap. It would it would actually be called flawed. Yes, that would be the name of it. So, uh, <laughs> but but seriously, uh, you know, I always say on the uh, Zilch Facebook page that we can disagree without being disagreeable. 
So that to me says a lot about fan culture. It's it's okay to have different opinions. It's okay to uh, not like the same thing. As a matter of fact, there's much value in that. You know, because if you don't, if you only have one voice, one parrot, then what's the point in it all, right? Right. So, yeah, there's been some problems, you know, like, for example, when you try to do something really cool for a lot of people, sometimes not everything works out right. Like, for example, there is the Blu-ray box set problem, you know, with, where the box was tearing and stuff like that. And Rhino has stepped up and done what they can to make this right. Because believe me, Rhino doesn't want to have problems. Rhino doesn't want to have uh, a CD misprinted or something weird that happens. But things happen because humans are involved. You know, everybody thinks, well, make sure you get it right. But I, I can go back to, you know, albums from the 60s up till now where there were things that weren't exactly 100% right or the record company did that or this thing or the other. So, yeah, not everything's been perfect, but man, what a great year. We've been spoiled. We We've really have. Absolutely been spoiled as Monkees fans. So, while some people have said like, oh, uh, Zilch is in Rhino's pocket and it's like, no, we're not. Uh, I had to buy my box set just like you did. But the thing of it is, is that I'm a kind of person, and I've always been this kind of person, that I'm good at uh, seeing the value in something as opposed to the problems with something. It doesn't mean that the problems don't exist, but it does mean that like I can either complain about this small thing or the glory of the, the big thing. you know. So I'd rather deal with what is there, and that's up to Rhino to make things right and they they have that's the thing we live in such a culture of everything's got to be perfect now and you need to listen to what i say right now like let's say for example this were 1988 and the monkeys box set with the time would have been vhs would have came out and you got let's say two tapes of the same thing like instead of like season one tape one you might have got two season one tape twos right, right? You used to have to either hope that there was a 1-800 number that you could find or you'd have to send – remember these things they were called – I think it was called mail. Yeah, I remember mail. I remember and, the stamps. You, I think stamps yeah, were involved somehow. Somehow or another and you would put it in a box and someone would come and take that away and give it to somebody far away. Crazy. It's like the Flintstones. And, yeah. <laughs> but now we can just – open up a, a browser on the internet with your phone or device and just bang, I'm outraged. Here's, I want this fixed now. Why isn't this fixed already? Because we just became aware of the problem. <laughs> right. Thank so, you for making us aware. Sorry yeah. we didn't have a solution planned in advance of right. this problem that you just found. But Thanks a lot. We're dealing with real human beings, you know. And right. not only that, but real human beings who really love the monkeys. Everyone that I've talked to at Rhino loves the monkeys. Uh, there are people within Rhino and Warners that need convincing even by those same people. Like people don't understand that Rhino is now owned by Warners. So they have to like justify, hey, we really need to save the monkeys for a next generation so it can go into syndication. We need to get this remastering done. And it – kind of has to depend on monkeys fans in order to get this done right so whether you realize it or not folks every blu-ray set you buy 
you're keeping the monkeys alive for the next couple generations. You've now made it so that it's high def. Your purchase of the Blu-ray set has made it so that the monkeys can continue on. So thank you for saving 33 and a third for the next generation. I'm sure they appreciate it. Well, that and, uh, you know, the Mike is a, a princess episode and right. <laughs> you're going to buy me a dog and, you know, everything else. You've you've helped protect that. You've helped save that for for the future generations of Monkeys fans who, like I said, every time it airs on TV, YouTube, eventually Netflix or wherever it's going to be, you've made that possible by your purchase of the Blu-ray set. So there you go. Well, Ken, thank you for being at the epicenter of, uh, of this year and for bringing so many of us together, man. You, you just happen to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing, and you've created this, uh, this little uh, universe of, of fans that have just kind of orbited around you. And, uh, and everybody, well, mercifully, everyone's very cool. Well, let's be honest. It's not me so much. It's, they've, they've, they've rallied around the monkeys. I'm just one of the cheerleaders. I'm just with you. That's you look all. great in that skirt too, Ken. I you do. really do. And the pom poms. Yep. You know, I have my hair like Cindy Brady. The little curls. With the curls, yeah, it's it's adorable. It goes well with the beard. It really does. It's. Uh, it does. You've been working on your dancing too, which is important <laughs> because the youth of America depends on you to show yeah. you the way. But so. I will say that coming up we're going to start in production of the album roundtables. There's a subset of fans that only want us to talk about the albums. Like they love the albums. The problem with that is there's only so many of them. And there are some people that I don't want to hear about TV show. I just want the albums. Well, if we did that, the sh we'd, we'd last what? 10, 11, 12, maybe. Yeah. And until <laughs> so, you start doing greatest hits breakdowns and then you're up in the hundreds, but which we're so. going to do actually, going to do an episode called the compilation conundrum in which we're going to look at which uh monkeys compilations are essential which ones do you need which ones are just fun you know but which ones do you need to complete your actual monkeys audio experience my like, vote is the lori house double album set that came out in the 70s well there you go but uh you know we've been blessed as as monkey fans like you look at the handmade sets oh they're beautiful Good Lord, who would have ever thought? And I said on the very first episode, episode zero, if you have a band, pray that Rhino gets a hold of them. Because I don't care if you're a Cheap Trick fan or a Sex Pistols fan or David Bowie or whatever. If Rhino gets a hold of them, they will let you have everything that, that they have access to. And that's, you know, Bowie is someone that they've worked with and so on and so forth. Right now, the work they're doing with Cars, the, the, the Cars is just absolutely amazing. And uh, it's, it's such a cool thing. I know that when it, it, Rhino became a thing to me in the 80s, it was great that they were bringing all this lost stuff back. And they're still doing it, even though they're part of a bigger company now. They're still doing it, so... Beautiful. So we'll keep our ears open for uh, for future episodes of Zilch and uh, meeting new friends and seeing our old friends again and going back through the albums and going back through the episodes and uh, and the new experiences because apparently rumors are that there's some pretty exciting things happening for the 51st anniversary and uh, yeah. we'll all John be there to break it down. Uh, yeah, John Hughes said uh, keep in mind that uh, the 51st is coming, folks. So. 
I'm just uh, excited to see what might happen. So, Tim, uh, this is kind of a weird experiment for me because you're going to actually produce this episode of Zilch. This is going to kind of be bizarre. Uh, Sarah Clark and Jeff Hewlett do a fair amount of production work on the show, but I've never like totally been hands-off. So this is going to be interesting to hear an episode of Zilch that you're going to produce. So. It's uh, it, it's an honor, Ken. Actually, I am I am surprised that you let me hold your baby, as it were, and uh, <laughs> I promise to take good care of it. Um, like I said, I have quite literally been listening since episode zero, and uh, will do my best to maintain the high standards that you have uh, put forth in the last seventy plus episodes. Well, I hope that I gave you enough to work with, and I hope that I answered every question. You know what? I think you did, but I'm sure that there will be more for uh, you know that people want to know about the man behind uh, behind Zilch. So if there are questions, shoot them to Ken, and uh, and maybe we'll do this again, and we'll just we'll give you your own Stan Lee's soapbox, if as it were. <laughs> well, I think it's important to let folks know that this is just part one of a conversation. That is true. There there will be uh, part two. Uh, where Ken and I actually talk about podcasting and we talk a little bit about uh, about our histories. We'll be on my side. We'll be over on Deep Dish Radio. So uh, point your browsers and your, and your podcast machines over to my show, Deep Dish Radio, available wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, you get the second part of this conversation with Ken. Wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Indeed. So this is part one. If you want to hear part two, check out... Tim Powers, and Ken Mills over at Deep Dish Radio. So there we go. Beautiful. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate you throwing it back. Well, well, you and I could talk monkeys forever. And uh, so we, we've got to, to hit uh, pause on this, and, and you've got to produce it. So. Well, what the Zilchers don't know, Ken, is I've got like 15 hours of stuff that we recorded today, and I've got I've to squish it down into a, you know something palatable. Otherwise, you know, this is going to be the Lost Lennon tapes, and it just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. <laughs> Don't now. Now really, everybody cool it because I won't be able to get through this. Action. Hey, wow. It's a groovy button. What does it say? Love is the ultimate trip. Oh, gee, that's a nice thought. Gee, that's a neat button. What does it say? Let's go again. That's a perfect spot to end it. Right there. That's your button. Here we go. <laughs> I'm not singing with you, Ken. Walking down the street. I'm not doing it. I'm not singing. We get the funniest look from not gonna, other no, podcasters. No. I'm the guy from Zoom. <laughs> People say I need therapy. Going monkey nuts. That's what we're doing. Uh, Ken, we're a minute short, so we're going to have to do an interview. All right. That's the thing is that they, they take and what they do is they'll use the word like, for example, cool. And then they'll, they'll try to sell you toothpaste by doing that because, it, you know, what they do is they take 
any word that the that is and and what they do is they exploit it and they sell you things and that's consumerism and that was a Hubble Benson theme song. 